You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait, celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 73 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Oh, great, Val. We're in the same room we again. Ah, we're making a habit of I this. I know. This time we're not in the Philippines, though. No, we're not in the Philippines. We're sitting in the hotel, in yep. a hotel room, overlooking the skyline of Melbourne. Yep. And it's about, it's kind of late at night. Very late. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and um, we're kind of having a little break because we've done uh, a quite a bit of shooting. You've done quite a bit of shooting earlier today oh, and we're having a little okay. break until the next batch of shooting. So why yeah. don't you tell everyone just briefly, because we'll go into in-depth about the whole thing next episode, but just tell everyone briefly what we've been up to. So we've been shooting uh, an awards uh, ceremony uh, called The Logies here in uh, Melbourne, Australian Television Awards. And I'm shooting for the uh, the network that puts them on. And basically, I've had to photograph uh, everyone in the entire network uh, in the space of a few hours. Mm. So it's been a big day setting up lights and getting the set and wrangling talent and uh, all sorts of stuff. And you were on set. Yeah, it was really fun. It was great fun. You know, I carried things and I moved things and, um, yeah, it was really good. And um, we're having a little bit of a break now because what's happening after the break, Gina? We're going to uh, the after party and photographing that, so we have to stay up late. I'm <laughs> just getting to my – someone mentioned that they would like to go back to their hotel room, get into their pyjamas and watch TV and it was – it sounded like the best thing ever, but we're firing up because we're going to get to this uh, party and shoot it. Yes. Lots and lots of fun. But so, we're going to do a whole show on it next week. That's right. That's yep. right. We'll, we'll talk more about it next week. So we'll move instead into this week's episode. Now, this week the topic is um, filters. The Essential Guide to On-Camera Filters, which yep. I'm keen to explore. But before we get onto that, we have a few shout-outs, don't we, Jim? Yeah. So um, one thing that I noticed in the Facebook the other day is Dan Barker. In the Facebook? In the Facebook? <laughs> what is it? He said, one thing I noticed in the Facebook the other day. The Facebook group. I can't even finish my words. No, you can't. How am I going to do this? I don't know. Because we go till 4, you know that. Bell. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Mm. I haven't had a drink. No, neither of us. I had a, had a cup a of tea from the smallest kettle in the world. Yes. <laughs> in the hotel. That is the tiniest kettle I've ever seen in the smallest cup. That's not, they're not tea drinkers because you have three sips. I know, and it's, it's gone. gone. I'm really disappointed. I know. So. It's, so it's not the Facebook, I should have finished the sentence. Yes. It's the Facebook group. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dan Barker, 
posted this awesome video from uh, a guy called Prince EA. Is that his name? I don't know um, how to pronounce it. Anyway, uh, so worth watching. I've put a link in the show notes. Well, what's it's, it about? Uh, it's very inspiring about um, making sure that you're not um, – you're living every day and uh, it just – makes you want to go out and do things. It really does. I loved this video so much. Awesome. It's fantastic. It really is. It's so beautifully shot, so inspiring. Honestly, if you're not stirred watching this video and you don't want to run outside and make good art or quit your job or do something radical, then, I don't know, you're not alive, I guess. It's, it's awesome. So thanks, Dan, for posting that. So we'll put the video in the show notes or a link to the yeah. video in the show notes. But basically it's got some great cinematography. It's got people talking about what they really want to do yeah. in life. Yeah. And, you it's know, awesome. and it's very <laughs> inspiring. Okay. So we have a question from a listener question from Jessica Booten. Now, great question this is. Yeah. Jessica's asked, how do you use a tripod when shooting portraits without feeling klutzy? So I paraphrase that, but that's basically what okay. Jessica's asked. She just has difficulty um, when she's trying to shoot portraits uh, on a tripod because she just doesn't feel like she's moving properly and uh, she can't get the, uh, the point of focus over the person's eye and then she's like trying to like nudge the, the tripod into mm. into place. So the, the trick with um, tripods, Jessica, and this is what I do when I'm using them, is I tend to uh, not lock everything off. So there's uh, the tripod head that I use has uh, can be moved in three directions. So from left to right, uh, up and down angle, and uh, you can also tilt it. Uh, what, what would you call that angle, Val? That from like... Um, like anti-clockwise and clockwise. You reckon that's the angle? So you got left, right, you got up, down, yes. and then there's... <laughs> what's the angle? I don't know. Gina's sort of making movements with her arms. Yeah. And, um, it's, good for, it's good for podcasting. Yeah, it's really useful for podcasting. So you've got, you've got all these different ways that the tripod can, can flow, and I tend to keep, uh, I keep, keep them loose and so that I'm... Like the, the, the tripod... For me, and I've used them for so long now that it does feel like an extension of my hands. And basically, I shoot on tripod to keep the camera steady so that I can shoot at a slower uh, shutter speed. But the other reason I shoot on tripod is just to keep my verticals vertical and my horizontals horizontal when I'm shooting. Because otherwise, I get so caught up in the moment that I uh, tend to uh, forget about my angles and I'm shooting um, off centre, off, off, you know, at a, at a, at a, a wonky angle. And uh, so this keeps me in line. But I do find that the easiest way, Jessica, to work with a tripod is just to, to, to keep the, the head a bit loose so that you can actually just, uh, you just uh, tilting and adjusting as you're shooting. So your person's moving you're actually tracking them with the tripod. You can move the head around and follow the person. So the tripod still keeps your shots nice and steady, but it's a bit more fluid rather than having everything locked off 
and then you're stuck there and it's hard to move around. We should actually do a mini tutorial where we video the, the way that your tripod can so easily go, as you say, from left and right and up and down yeah. and that uh, anti-clockwise and clockwise yeah, direction. And um, yeah, we'll put that in the gold community at GinaMilitia.com because I think you'll be quite interested at how incredibly manoeuvrable Gina's tripod is because I've been watching her shoot all day or certainly all afternoon and it's literally just it's a matter of seconds for her to move around with the tripod because of all of the um, different what are they called <laughs> handles <laughs> yeah, the doodads the highly technical yeah the doodads that go on the thing but so the so I think that we'll do a um, mini tutorial in the gold community. And if you haven't checked out the gold community yet, uh, have a look at GinaMilitia.com. It's awesome community. There's about 700 wonderful photographers in there at the moment. And um, it's every month you get new tutorials from Gina about different aspects of photography. There's also a monthly mastermind that everyone can join in on. We hold a webinar where Gina will personally answer your questions. And there's also a great discussion area and a chance to get your photo critiqued among many many other things so have a look at that at ginamilitia.com that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a so we have another listener question from kari doyle uh -huh. is that right yeah so kari has said hey my apologies if you've mentioned this in your podcast i'm a bit late to the party and trying to catch up love it by the way mm. well thank you kari mm. and but kari says but how do you get Good lens flare. Good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's your take on that, Gina? So it's really interesting because when you're not trying, <laughs> you can get it. Or yes. when you don't want it, suddenly it's all over your shots. It's like, and, and trying to remove lens flare is actually really hard because you've got to try, try and find the source of the flare. So basically, flare is caused by light hitting the lens and scattering before it reaches the sensor, right? Mm -hmm. So... It can be blobs of yep. light, it can be streaks of light, um, and it can be caused, it's not just the sun that mm -hmm. causes lens flare, any light source. So it could be, mm. you know, disco lights yeah. that cause lens flare, uh, lights in a house, um, car lights, uh, fire, flashlights, fire. Yeah, fire. <laughs> really? Yeah, don't you? <laughs> you know, I think fire can do <laughs> I've been watching Fire All Night because we are at Crown, which is very famous. <laughs> Do you jump for, when the fire goes Yes, off? because every hour this massive, right where oh. I was standing, volcano practically erupts. <laughs> so I've been thinking about fire a lot tonight. Yeah, Sorry, no, you go I on. I think it's the right kind of light. Okay. You know, but you were there, Val. And yeah, there, you know, I, I'm cool. trying. Um, so the trick is... Uh, it's hard to get consistent lens flare. So say you wanted to do a photo shoot where you set up a whole lot of shots and you wanted the exact same flare in every shot, that's difficult. Mm. But the way to get the best lens flare is to make sure that your lens is facing the light. So ideally, uh, I would practice on a sunny day mm. and wait for a time when the sun was low in the sky but not too low in the sky because there's a point when the sun's setting that it kind of loses its, um, its force. Mm -hmm. it, it, it stops like sending out rays of light. <laughs> it stops its intensity. It's not as strong, Val. Yes. But when it's slightly <laughs> higher in the horizon, it's, um, it, it, it has, uh, you'll get more flare out of it. So like maybe, um, 
on a non sort of daylight savings day, four o'clock in the afternoon, three, like when it's lower in the sky. Yes. Face your lens towards the light so that the, the, the light is hitting your lens. And, um, and then when you're shooting, you want to be shooting in manual mode again. You want to, again, expose for skin tones because what's going to happen? You've got your camera facing into the light. <laughs> Hans, who programs the camera, is just going to go, oh, there's so much light. And you'll, all your shots will be completely overexposed if you try and shoot in auto. So you're shooting in manual mode, um, exposed for your skin tone. So when you're trying to backlight or get flare, with your camera, before you take your shot, go right up to the person that you're photographing and then you want to make sure that your lens covers all of their face, mm -hmm. so it's not it's not uh, influenced by all the light that's around them. Mm -hmm. Get a good skin tone reading, mm -hmm. stick to that, and then go back and get your shot with all the flare. And so at least you'll get something that's um, sort of fairly closely you know, exposed correctly, mm -hmm. um, and you'll get good lens flare. Other things is now why uh, might you want to get good lens flare? Oh, it's kind of cool. It looks arty, mm -hmm. you know. So it looks it. it that's what people like, and it does. For me, having lens flare in a shot, I do it a lot. It's what a shot feels like mm -hmm. rather than what it looks like. So, you know, if, if you were uh, ha having a beer on a Sunday afternoon, looking out over the water, you're not going to be seeing everything correctly exposed, even with a naked eye. You're, mm. gonna, you're going to see flare. You're not going to see all the detail. Mm. So... When you see flare in a shot, to me, it's what something feels like. So it's, it, 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 it gives a really nice, beautiful feeling to a shot. So that's, I think, what's why it's so attractive to photographers. Okay. Um, other things to do uh, is to make sure that a wide, wide aperture creates uh, larger blobs of light. And um, if you want to get little starbursts, you shoot on a narrow aperture. We've, we've covered that. Uh, the longer the shutter speed, the more flare you're going to have because you've got more light bouncing around. The focus can be a bit tricky with flare, so um, try and maybe, if you want to focus first, and put, put something behind the person you're trying to focus on so that you're cutting out all the light, get your focus, lock it on, and then remove the cutter from behind them, and that, that'll help. Mm -hmm. All right? And, um, yeah, fantastic. That's, um, that's lots of great tips there. I hope they're useful, Kari. And we just want to give a shout-out to... Rahim Mustafa, don't we? Yeah, I just like Rahim's been sharing a lot of his photos yeah. in the Facebook group, and he's been like his uh, sports photos have been phenomenal. The fitness photos, fitness photos are phenomenal, amazing. amazing. Really, he's killing it at the moment, yes. and uh, and now he's been uh, really branching out and doing some amazing uh, Photoshop work, mm. and uh, like he's done, I've, I've shared some of the work in the in the show notes, but uh, people burning, and that like, it to me looks like an Apache. Yeah, oh, so basically it? it's a great shot that Rahim's obviously taken inspiration from Assassin's Creed, you know, the, the main Assassin's Creed guy with the hoodie, with the medieval type hoodie, and um, he's got that figure or the inspiration for that figure looking in one direction and his back kind of burning yeah but it, it's it sounds weird but have it a look looks, at the photo which we'll put in the show notes and then he's done a, an, an, another one on the assassin's creed he's done um an explosive explosion going on uh behind the the, the 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 person and it's just 
like it's amazing. It's such a such a lot of work goes into these, but uh, it's it's really cool to see. And I've mm. watched Raheem develop his style uh, over the last couple of years, and it's just like all the hard work now is paying off. And and good on you. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant. Mm. So let's move on now to the topic of this week, which is filters, the yep. essential guide to on-camera filters. Now I'm keen to get stuck into this because you know. I went through a stage, Gina, where I was buying filters and I bought a polarizer and then I bought this other filter which is meant to make water all really nice. And <laughs> these days I don't actually use my filters right. hardly at all. Yeah. You know, those were in the days gone by. So I kind of, you know, wonder sometimes, yes, I could use a filter or I can actually fix a few things a bit later in post-production. What is your take on how useful camera filters are these days? Well, let's maybe talk about what a filter is. Okay, like yeah. When we hear the word filter, I think a lot of people think, oh, is this Instagram? Yeah. just go on Instagram, chuck a filter on, mm -hmm. and it does it. But it's, this is like, I'm talking about filters that go in front of the lens. Yep. And you're using them, uh, you know, before, like when you're taking the shot. So That's it's right. it's. It's basically uh, a piece of optical glass or plastic or anything that goes in front of the camera lens to change the way that the light enters the camera, mm -hmm. right? So now whenever anyone buys a, a, a DSLR these days, the, the guy who's selling you the camera will always recommend that you buy a UV filter, mm -hmm. right, to go on the front of your camera. Mm -hmm. So I just want to point out, but you know when you buy a new car mm -hmm. and they offer you the paint protection? Mm -hmm. do, do you take the paint protection when you buy a new car? I have do done in the past, but I haven't of late. Same no. with the filters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know that's a, like an upsell. That's yes. Like, what, what is paint protection? I don't even know. Well, why would you pay? Well, because they show you they show you the before <laughs> the they show you this this example <laughs> of a car hood where that has the paint protection and a car hood um, that doesn't have the paint protection after one year oh and you get sucked into the fact yeah. that the car hood with the paint protection is all lovely and glossy no, and shiny. Because it wears off like as soon as you drive the car out of the car lot. So mm -hmm. UV filter is basically like paint protection, mm -hmm. a waste of money. And it does like... Well, what's Here's it meant to thing. do? Well, it's supposed to protect your uh, lens from UV rays, which is like... Yes, lens isn't going to get a suntan or anything like that. No, and the problem with UV filters are you've gone and paid five hundred, a thousand, a couple of thousand dollars on this beautiful lens, right? With beautiful optics, okay, and then you put this cheap two-dollar piece of plastic, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, keep going, and. You've wrecked, you're wrecking your, your photos with this, like why would you put a cheap $2 bit of plastic in front of your $500, $1,000, $2,000 lens? So don't buy the paint protection <laughs> and don't buy the UV filter when you don't need one. The best way to protect your lenses is uh, A, always put a, a lens cap on them mm -hmm. or when you're not using them, and B, uh, I always uh, use the uh, the lens hood when I'm shooting. 
So even if I'm shooting inside, mm-hmm. uh, I always have a lens hood. So the lens hood is supposed to be there to protect. Um, so it shades the hood from sun. But it's also a great way to protect your lens because if you've got it on the end of your lens and mm. you're walking into, like you walk past a table and you mm. knock the lens, mm. it's going to hit the hood first yes. and it protects the glass. So that's a much better way to protect your camera lens. So like UV filter, I'll probably get uh, a few letters about this, but <laughs> it's like I, I, I don't see the use for them and like, yeah. All Unless right, like so... you're really klutzy and you drop your lenses and scratch them, then maybe you want to think, you know, think about getting one. So pre-digital Val, mm. uh, filters were really important because yes. you had certain films uh, that were um, rated to shoot, say, in daylight, and then you would be going into other situations where there might be uh, mixed light or you'd be shooting in tungsten light mm-hmm. or you'd be shooting in fluorescent light or it'd be early morning and um, the light would be really cold. So we used to, like I used to have like stacks, 20 filters in my camera kit. Mm-hmm. And I would know that like if I'm going to be shooting early morning and I want my shot to be a bit warmer, I'd stick a warming filter, like an 81A over the camera lens to make it a little bit warmer. I used to do a lot of when I was shooting black and white tests for models, mm-hmm. like folios. I used to, and, and the model had bad skin. Mm-hmm. I would put a red filter on the lens mm-hmm. and that would uh, – anything that was red that you photographed in black and white would disappear. So if you had mm. a model that had really bad skin mm. and you photographed them with a red filter, it was magic. <laughs> Their skin was like perfectly clear. So it worked on that. And the other really popular one that I had in the uh, early 90s was the softening filter. Oh, yes. The Doris Day lens <laughs> what they used to call it. So basically it was – it just took the edge off. Yes. It's like your what's the what's the filter that you love? The Oh my Snapchat? favorite filter at the moment is um, a particular filter on Snapchat that basically <laughs> you makes you it. look like a supermodel. I take a photo like all the time. <laughs> you love just it. Just using Snapchat and yeah. I don't even post it on Snapchat. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite filter right now and I'm introducing it to all of my friends. So it just takes so these softening filters would just take the edge off um, the shots and uh, it was it's good I used to use it a lot for um, older models. So there's actually uh, DIY uh, ways you can make those, which I'll talk about later in the podcast, mm-hmm. Val. So, so we had all these ways like to convert and, and, and use all these filters. But um, what's happened now is we've got uh, software like, you know, Photoshop and Lightroom. And basically, like if I've taken a shot and early in the morning and it's really blue, I can bring it into Lightroom, warm everything up, and make it whatever color I want. Mm-hmm. So yes. kind of a lot of the filters that we used to use, and if I've got someone who's got really bad skin, I can actually fix it up really easily yes. uh, in, in post-production without having to worry about a red filter in black and white. I can convert it to black and white. I can make it look much better. So a lot of filters are obsolete now. Right. So would, would we even use filters these days? Well, so... I'm all about getting it like right in camera first, mm-hmm. and if you can get if you can get it like ninety percent there in camera, then when you take your photo into post production, you can get it to a much higher level. So I think there are a lot of filters that are still good in landscape photography, and there's filters that I use in my portrait photography that come in really handy. So do you, do you want to run through? Yeah. A few? So let's talk about landscape photography. What 
filters might we use in landscape photography then? So pretty much um, there's there's quite a collection. So you've got, like we said, the UV, which is useless. So U stands for useless. Um, <laughs> v, very useless. It should be the VU. Okay. Very yes. useless. Oh, my God. So you see what I did there? Oh, I saw what oh, you did there. Oh, my That's goodness. That's light, Val. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yes. Um, polarizer, which you said you've got. Yes. So it's the circular one and you turn it one way, turn it the other, mm -hmm. and then you can um, – it'll it'll – it's great for, like, where there's glare. Yes. Um, uh, also, it'll um, – it reduces reflection. So like yep. if you were trying to take a shot of the water, you know when you've got the sun hitting the water and you've got all that, that light kicking yes. around, you yes. put the polarizer on that and suddenly Less you'll glary. reduce all the glare. Or yep. if you've got – you use the polarizer, polarizer if you're um, maybe shooting into a window. Yep. And you want to re remove some of the reflections, put the polarizer on, and that reduces the glare. So they come in really handy with that. You can't do that in Lightroom. Okay. So – I think a good polarising filter, it's actually a hard word to say, um, is uh, really worthwhile having and I would probably uh, spend the bucks on that because that's something you'll have in your kit and keep it for forever, so uh, well worth it. Mm -hmm. The other ones I think are well worth having if you are right into doing landscape uh, photography and you're not big on doing um, a lot of work in post-production is uh, to have uh, neutral uh, grad filters. So basically what they are is um, they're filters where you've got uh, partially uh, blocked out the, the top part or mm -hmm. the bottom part of the image. So when you mm -hmm. say you're exposing um, like a, a landscape and you've got the sky and then the water and the land, Okay, yeah. so what happens is the sky will always be brighter. So with a neutral um, density filter, it's going to give less exposure to the sky mm -hmm. and more exposure to the bottom half of your frame. And so you're going to get those rich, beautiful skies. So they come in, they come in really handy. And you can get two different types. You can get them where they've got like a hard edge down the middle. So if you've got a distinct horizon line, mm. a solid horizon, then you'd want to use the hard edge one. But if you've got like a mountain range in the middle or something, you want to have a more gradual um, uh, density filter so that it's it's softer in the middle and you're not going to see the transition from light to dark, yep. all right? So they come in really handy. Now, people are going to argue that, like, I can do all of that, and you can. You can, when you do an exposure of a landscape, you can do, shoot one stop under, one stop normal, one mm, stop over, mm. and then combine them in post-production. But wouldn't it be great to never have to do that? So yep. maybe just carrying around these filters makes that possible. So it's it's all a matter of whether you're a purist or not and yep. you, or you'd rather do it in post-production. The other one that's possibly really handy to have if you're a um, landscape photographer is something called a reverse graduated filter. So basically it, um, it'll give less exposure to the middle of the frame mm -hmm. and more around the edges. So if you've got like, you know, when you've got the sun setting or you're shooting into mm. the sun, you've always got this hot spot yeah, in right. the middle. So that gets rid of that. Clever. Really handy. Yes. I never um, thought of that. Yeah. So, so that works as well. Um, and then you've got your um, colour, your warming gels, your warming and yep. cooling filters. So again, like you can do all of that in in post production if you want, but it's kind of good to be able to do it all in camera. So can you describe what the warming gel looks like? Is it similar to the traditional filter? So the 
the, the things with gels as opposed to filters is they're like little pieces of plastic that you can put in holders and they're used a lot by the uh, film, film industry mm -hmm. and television industry because they're using filters all the time. Um, they're using disposable ones so, so like if they're shooting at the beach and there's a sandstorm and their filters keep getting dirty, they'll just use this for maybe one or two takes and then remove it from the um, the holder and put a new one in. So it's like having disposable contact lenses or something mm -hmm. like that for your lens, mm -hmm. really. So th th it's it's worth looking into using gels rather than actual filters. And and we'll talk about uh, the different kinds of filters. Are they um, are they much cheaper? Because they're essentially pieces of plastic. They are cheaper, but then in the long run, mm -hmm. they could end up more expensive if you keep uh, buying them. So right. I use filter gels for my lights. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you want to be really cheap, yeah, and we'll talk about this at the end of the show with my DIY, you can just look, use like bits of cellophane and yes. things like that yes, as cellophane. filters as well. It depends mm -hmm. on on uh, what what you know whether you're a purist or not. So they're the um, sort of the landscape filters. Now, when it comes to... Um, Shooting portraits. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's other kinds of filters that I use. So um, what kind of um, so filters? let's let's go into the the portrait essentials because I think um, they're sort of uh, underused and they can make a big difference to to how you shoot and and how you work looks. So I've got a set of filters and I swear by these and they are variable ND filters. What's a variable so ND filter? So basically a variable neutral density filter. It's a circular filter that I have and I think mine is about five or six stops. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically what it does is it will uh, give you a darker exposure while shooting at a, at a lower f-stop. So if I was... Um, and where this comes in really handy mm. is like, let's say um, you're shooting outdoors and it's full sun. Yeah. It's like mid midday, middle of the day, and I want to shoot a portrait, but I also want to light it, mm -hmm. okay? Now, if I take a reading, the sun's out, I'm going to get something like F22, I can own, and I'm using flash, mm -hmm. I can only shoot at up to one two hundredth of a second, yep. okay? So I'm limited. Yep. I can shoot at 22. Yep. What happens is if I shoot a portrait at F22, I've got someone standing in front of You've a got car a very, yard, yeah, right? and a you can see yard. all the dirty cars in the So background. all the dirty cars, but with paint protection valves, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the water just beads on the paint, okay. doesn't it? So you right? can, Ben, if you're shooting at F22, you will see every bead You'll see of every water. bead because... Because the know, depth of field. Al, the car salesman, <laughs> I bought a car in New York once on my credit card and I said, I love this country so much because we could never in Australia buy a car mm -hmm. with your credit card for like, a, like very little money. It was very okay. exciting. Okay. And his name was Al. Okay, and Al. And he tried to sell paint protection too, <laughs> you know. So but you didn't fall for that. I didn't fall for that because even okay. back then I knew, Val. Okay. So you've got... Shooting at 22, a portrait at 22 is not going to look fantastic because you've got everything yes. in the background. So that's where the variable ND filter ah. comes in. So basically, because if I don't have anywhere where I can, like, it's still full sun, I can't move them into shade, you know, I, what do I do? I need to use fill flash, all right? But I don't want to shoot at F22 and I want to use the flash. Mm. So what I do is I take my exposure it says 
it's f22 at a 200th of a second mm -hmm. i then take my nd filter put it onto the camera yep. and my variable nd gives me between one and five stops so let's say i want to reduce my exposure by five stops i can dial it in mm -hmm. and um reduce the exposure that's hitting my camera right uh -huh. by five stops what do you mean you can dial it in what are you so what are you referring the variable to variable neutral density filter yes. is circular and yes. if i put it on ah. and and rotate it one way okay it'll be like one stop yes if I go keep going around, it'll be two stops, three stops, Got four it. stops, five stops. So Got you can it. cut that much light from entering the camera. I'm not changing the light outside. So mm. this is where it gets confusing when people are using uh, these variable uh, density filters. So I'm cutting the light that's hitting my camera sensor, and then I can work out by how many stops. So if I want to reduce it by three stops, yep. okay, I then open, I'll put, set it, set my neutral density filter to three stops. Yep. And then I'll open up my um, camera by three stops, the, the, change the aperture by three stops. So F22 becomes F8. Yes. If I want to change it to six stops. Yes. I can open up by six stops and F22 mm -hmm. becomes F22.8. Yeah, nothing else has changed, right. but it means I can now shoot at outside. I haven't changed my flash power. Mm. I haven't changed the sun power. I don't have that skill, right? <laughs> I can't change the sun. I can't mm -hmm. change anything else, but I can change the amount of light that's hitting my sensor. Yeah, right. Great. And so you go from having this shot where your portrait is has a background of cars Dirty where you can cars, see with the, every the bead, paint protection, paint every, yep. every bead, mm. right? Two, 2.8, mm. all you see is swirls and, and nothingness. So yeah, well, well you, awesome. the, the, you see the hero of your shot and in the background, no cars, you just see swirls and nothingness and it could be a beautiful um, garden for all we knew. Okay, so, but it also works, I've seen this done outside where it might be a beautiful landscape, mm -hmm. but you can take it from, you know, F16, F11 to F2.8 and suddenly you've got this really painterly looking style, but you, you, you're able to light and it mm. looks amazing. Mm. I use this technique um, in the studio too, Val, where I want to use my studio lights, mm. but if I'm using my, my 1200 watt second and my 600 watt second lights, they're too powerful. Even dialed down to like their mm. minimum power, mm. they're going to give me f4, f5.6, f8. So I can't even use them. But but I, and I and I want to create that beautiful lighting that I get by having all my big soft boxes and everything mm. set up in the in the shot. Mm. And so I put the neutral density filter on, and then suddenly I can shoot studio stuff, fully lit at f2.8. And everything looks amazing and mm. it just takes that uh, edge off the skin as well so it means I yes. can shoot a really shallow depth of field with studio lighting so it's great I never really a really thought of it. worthwhile yeah. investment ne a variable neutral density yeah filter. yeah 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 how much is it about so do you reckon? They're, they're expensive so here's the thing with um with the neutral density filters if uh, th there are some cheaper ones yeah and if you get the cheaper ones, um, they're going to uh, 
they're going to vary in cost um, from about a hundred to like you can get them for six seven hundred dollars oh, for my. the more expensive ones. Now the cheaper ones, it's about the quality of the glass mm. or the plastic. Mm. Um, what the coating, whether they have paint protection or not, and now this isn't this isn't a rot now when it comes to filters because like filters and lenses, they coat them to protect them, mm-hmm. and so the cheaper ones, it's like when you buy um, what my bag there, Val, that I got like see my travel bag there, yes, it's a really nice like, but it's not it doesn't have the paint protection, so oh. like bits of the leather are peeling off oh, now. So Gina's so pointing to a really lovely Evelyn. Evelyn. Is her name? You, you named your bag. Yeah, I didn't name my bag. I name everything. I okay. humanise everything I own. She's lovely. I love Evelyn. Okay, so Jean is referring to her overnight bag, which yeah. I did admire earlier. Actually, yeah, it's Evelyn. beautiful brown leather. Apparently, her name's yeah. Evelyn. Yeah. But uh, Evelyn didn't get paint protection. She didn't get paint protection. So on the handles, Val, um, it's chipping off oh. the bits of leather, and and so and you mocked paint protection well, earlier. Mm. No, I don't think it, it applies to bags so on lenses they will coat them specifically so that they're protected so the cheaper filters are not going to have the the level of coating um that's going to affect the price the glass that's used if it's a cheaper glass uh it's going to have a tint and i noticed this when i was putting glass flashbacks in my uh, kitchen valve <laughs> so mm-hmm. you could get two kinds of glass the cheaper glass splashbacks had a green tinge to yes, them. Yes, yes. Do you know that? Yes. The more expensive ones didn't. Yes. Same with filters, Val. Oh. The cheaper glass filters have a tint that you can't get rid of. So when you notice a cheaper filter, you're always going to have a colour cast right. over your shot. The more expensive filters are going to give you a more accurate, beautiful, uh, neutral tone and that's I think Great what you insight. want you want you want neutral tone mm. so they're things to look out for now you need to think about how klutzy you are when it comes to filters right um if if you think you're going to be able to look after them and not drop them yes and be sort of pristine with them yes then maybe spend the bucks because they can use them a lot I've dropped mine yes Val. Well, I've scratched mine. So I dropped my uh, variable density filter oh. a couple of times. So, which brings me to um, whether you buy the screw-on kind uh-huh. or the ones that they're uh, like square or rectangular and they actually <coughs> go into a holder and uh, the holder screws onto the end of the, um, end of the lens and then you slide these in, right? Okay. So... Um, you need to think about uh, that when it comes to uh, the kind of filter that you use. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that's, uh, yeah, so we talked about that. But, Variable, but, yep. Can I just, let's come yeah. back. Sorry, I had yeah. a little coughing fit. Well, yeah, you did. <coughs> you keep going, Val. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sorry, everyone. Um, but uh, let's go back to the screw-in ones or the square ones. I yep. know that mine are the screw-in ones. Yeah. Why would you choose one over the other? When, in what situation would you have the screw-in ones? In what situation would you have the square ones? So the, I don't have the, any square ones. The square ones, if you have uh, a selection of lenses uh, that have lots of different diameters, so like lens, lens size can vary between oh. 46 to 80, 82 millimetres yep. like for the larger lenses, yep, yep. Uh, for SLRs. So if you're buying 
if you have to buy a different filter for yeah. each, that's going to get Small expensive. Fortune. So, yeah. like, but you could get the the adapter and I the see. square ones, and it'll work on all the different uh, lens sizes. Yes. Um, okay. But I have like maybe uh, eighty two to seventy seven. I think are the sizes of mine, and then there's maybe another one. The eighty five millimeter is slightly narrower. So I don't have that many variations yep. in filter sizes. So. And I, I will buy like the, the largest size filter mm -hmm. I need mm -hmm. for the largest lens. Mm -hmm. And then I've actually got uh, rings, step down rings. So it'll be a ring that I attach ah. that'll attach the, the, the filter to that. So okay. that's, that's how I work around uh, that. And, yeah, it's uh, a good tip. Yeah. Um, I've also got some, some of the cheaper ND filters that I've had to play around with. Coke can make a, a, a really reasonably priced set. So um, worth thinking about just if you want to have a play and experiment and, and by all means maybe try using uh, uh, polarizers mm -hmm. as well or, yep. or single neutral density filters. You can stack a, a couple of them onto your lens to have a, have a play with uh, shooting in... Um, in extreme light conditions so that you can get the, the long exposures and, sure. and things like that. So, yeah. Um, the other thing about neutral density filters is, like, they're fantastic for when you're shooting outside and you want to use, uh, do long exposures. So to knock back the amount of light, mm -hmm. you could be shooting, um, say, uh, outside in, in, in the middle of the day and you want to shoot a... a a waterfall or yeah. a river that's, uh, you know, uh, with all the the raging sort of water passing through. If you yeah. shoot that at a long, slow exposure, yes. okay, you're going to get that beautiful silky water. Yes. Okay, because you've got a slow exposure. But you can only do that by using a neutral density filter to cut the amount of light so that you oh. need to shoot at a slower shutter speed. Yeah, right. I never even thought of that. There you go. Yeah. That's how it's done. Okay. In the middle of the day, and you can get some really amazing, uh, surreal-looking effects. It yeah, looks absolutely. incredible. It looks incredible. It's well worth playing around with. Because mm. I've um, in my on my lounge room wall, I yeah. have exactly that, where it's a river in Tasmania, and the water is so silken, it it's it just looks like. Glass or oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, just, it's amazing, Isn't absolutely. It? That's how it's done. Amazing. So oh. that that effect looks fantastic, where you've got like uh, like waves crashing over rocks, or you know, um, like a, a river where there's lots of rocks and movement, yes, and things like that. Is, That's where it looks best. Yes, which is this you know, rather than like if you just did a, a pond yeah. that didn't have any <laughs> movement, it's not it's not that exciting, is it? Yes. Like, the ponds. Well, you did a long exposure of a pond that's not moving. Yeah. But if you've got like, you know, sort of raging, mm -mm. crashing surf, it's incredible. Because I have stared at it and pondered, you know, obviously I know that there would have been a long shutter speed on that. Um, but I've often stared at it and pondered you know, how it got put together and never even considered that a filter was used as well. I don't know why. Maybe I yeah. should have. But um, thank you for shedding light on it because now – when I look at it on my lounge room wall, I, I have a much better understanding of it. Yeah. So can you DIY filters? Yeah. I just want to go back to those neutral density filters for a second. Okay. Oh, something I just pointed out. Yeah. When you're doing the portrait shoots yes. using a neutral density filter, if you're getting up around the five and six stops ND, like mm -hmm. basically what happens is the filter's almost black. Mm-hmm. 
your camera really struggles to focus. It's oh, almost yes. impossible because it, it can't see anything. Mm. It's, it's almost um, getting it through. You're looking through and you're just seeing black. So mm. I, uh, in those scenarios, if you're going to be knocking your exposure back by that many stops, yeah. focus first, oh. lock your focus, and then put your filter, filter on Great. afterwards. All right? Because otherwise you're never, ever going to get the focus. Great tip. All right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right, so back to my question. Yep. Can you DIY filters? Because I know you're a DIY Love kind it. of MacGyver kind of yep. person, and I'm so not. Yeah. So, and, and part of the reason is I think I wonder whether my DIY would actually work or whether people would think I'm nuts. Yeah. Um, Do you worry that people think you're nuts? <laughs> Do you? Is that something that you lay awake at oh, night thinking I don't lay that people awake. think I'm nuts? I don't lay awake and worry about it, yeah. but it does cross my mind from time to time. Yeah. Usually, like, sometimes I say things and you, you look at me really funny. That's, <laughs> that doesn't help either, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, anyway... I like your take on it, DIY filters. Yeah, you can. You can DIY anything. And if it's <laughs> like, I reckon I could DIY paint protection. Oh, my God. Uh -huh. <laughs> Try and sell it to people. Yes. But my favourite uh, DIY is if you can get hold of welding glass. Welding glass? Welding glass. So it's, it's welding glass. I don't even know what that glass. is. So it's back, pretty much black glass. And they sell it to welders to protect their eyes. Right? And it goes oh. in the masks. Oh, you know, so it's a bit of glass. Yeah. So pretend you're Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that glass, mm -hmm. you can like MacGyver it to go into the onto the front of your lens and you've got a 10-stop, equivalent oh. of a 10-stop neutral density filter. Go down to Tasmania Val where yeah. the raging, river you know, rage, raging river in Tasmania is and – Strap your welding glass oh. with you. Do your little flash dance. Yeah. While you're doing. What a fear. Yeah, that's right. I can't have it all. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to take you to karaoke one day. <laughs> and you've got an ND filter. Yes. Right? So if you can try and get a little bit of glass. The problem is because it's cheap glass, you're not going to use it for your splashback. It's got the green tint. It's got, yeah, I think it does have a, a like a, a green or a magenta tint. Mm. And so you've got to remove that, but you can easily remove that in Lightroom. Right. And I just hope, and I'm probably, I'm, I'm pretty much backing it here that someone, someone in the podcast community has already MacGyvered one and yeah. I want to see, please send in news at genomilitia.com or if you're in the Facebook group, post it in there because I'd love to see your DIY um, MacGyvered filters. Yeah, for sure. The other one, which is so old school, mm -hmm. this is like, you know that UV filter that you got sold now that you <laughs> think that is a piece of garbage, you know, <laughs> your waste of money, paint protection. Uh -huh. Take that UV filter and... <laughs> Yes. Put some Vaseline on it. Vaseline on Vaseline. it? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Isn't that just an no, urban myth? No, so you don't need to put it over the whole lens, but maybe just around the bottom yeah. or around the edges. Put that on your camera and you're going to get that soft focus. Have you ever put yes, Vaseline on it? Yes, I've done it. We used to do it in the 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> had big hair. I had my blonde tips like Madonna in the 80s. <laughs> Okay, so people really used to do this. Yes. So, and the other thing um, that uh, the f 
photographer that I used to work with and a lot of the old boys that I used to that, that were uh, mentoring me back in the day um, would talk about they would get the UV filters and they would just like before a shoot they'd take it off the camera and just kind of like gently step on it <laughs> so that it would get like dust like soft dust oh. like you know scunge from the ground mm -hmm. and that would act as a, a softening filter. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they they were old old tricks that, that that photographers used to do because obviously they couldn't. You didn't have Lightroom or Photoshop. Yeah. Retouching, getting photos retouched cost an absolute fortune In because those they days, would do yeah. them with a brush yes, by hand. So th this was an, another little trick. Another one is um, to wrap a plastic bag around the bottom half of your lens. What kind of plastic bag? Just like, you know, the From bag. the supermarket? You know those plastic uh, Ziploc bags? That oh, you, yeah, right. You, you get your, the clear plastic bags. Uh, the clear bag. plastic bags that you get put sandwiches in yes. and things like that. Just um, or, or even um, saran wrap or cling wrap uh -huh. or things like that over the bottom of your lens. Okay. And so, again, it's going to have that uh, – it's going to throw the bottom half of your shot out of focus. The softening effect. Yeah, okay. and, and even just putting uh, cling or saran wrap over your entire lens mm. is going to act like a softening filter mm, as well. So it's okay. another – it's a very, very cheap yeah, DIY. Very cheap. Another you, great hang one – on, But if you put cling wrap or saran wrap over your, your, over your lens and pulled it tight, it would just – no, it'd still, it. no, it'd be a little, like a little bit. It'd take the edge off. Okay, all right. It'd take the edge off a little bit. All right. You don't you have know. to crinkle it a bit. Well, you could crinkle it a bit, okay. you know. Right. You could try different degrees of, like, you know. Okay, yep, yep, got um, it. Stockings. Yeah. Over the lens as well. Okay. To have a really nice So effect. we're talking about, like, women's pantyhose kind of thing, not Santa's stockings. Yeah, but not the crutch bit, you know, yeah. someone that had the crutch. <laughs> That's a bit thick. You want, yeah, and not it. the toes. Because, yeah, again, it. they're a bit – it's like the, the, the sheer part. And you can that try different colours. Like, you can try the black, there's white, there's grey, there's brown. Just have a, a, dip, a go with different ones because that can look really arty as well okay. and, and uh, have a really nice effect. I've done that. It works. It looks really good. Mm -hmm. And another one is uh, lace. So you can get different, like, I know when I used to visit my grandma and my mum still at home has a lot of those little lace doilies, yeah, doilies. under everything, on, on every surface. And yeah. uh, I had friends that used to have doilies in their fridge. What for? Just to keep the fridge looking nice, oh that every no single way. shelf in the fridge oh, no. had doilies on it. No so way. you can get plastic doilies for the fridge as well. Oh. Yeah. So those, uh, like they're, is it cro crochet? Yes. Crochet uh, lace uh, doilies that you, you have on um, coffee tables and things like that. Put one of those over your lens. What for? And shoot through that. It gives a really good effect. Like... So <laughs> it's cool. Okay. It looks good. Have you done and there's it? Yeah, there's different degrees of lace. Like you can get lace uh, that you see in curtains, really mm -hmm. sheer curtains yes. that are like lace. Yes. Put some of that over uh, the lens and that gives a good effect. Or the Some tulle? Tulle and, you know, mm -hmm. now you're getting into different kinds of yeah, like right. silk materials. and uh, Try different, different sheer fabrics. Try diff different sheer fabrics right. will also work. Okay. Uh, so it's anything that you can put in front of the lens and, again, experiment 
because you're never going to get the same shot twice. And it's just about adding a, not like a level of grunge or another mm. level and that unexpected mm. to the shot and um, making it interesting. So I just want to ask you then, Gina, what is the mo your most commonly used filter for yourself these days? Um, I would say that the, the ND filter is and when, the one. In one what situation? So if I'm shooting, uh, I want to shoot, uh, do a shoot outside with flash and it's too bright and I need to dial it back a bit. So I use the ND. Okay. So 10%. 15% of my shooting. It's not a lot. Right. But mm. still. Because I don't do a okay. lot of landscape, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. And so, as you said, for quite a, a lot of these, maybe it's not so much the polarising and polariser and stuff like that, but for a lot of these, you can apply similar principles in post-production. Do you still encourage people to use different types of filters and experiment with different types of filters? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great idea. And it's like I think you can go to garage sales now and there'll be boxes of filters yeah. because they're so obsolete that people are like practically throwing them yeah. out. So you can buy them for nothing. But like why wouldn't you have a try and, and, and play around with like warming filters or cooling filters or, you know, just just experiment and mm. see what's possible and then I think you get a better understanding of, of what your image is doing and you know try I think we can we can get a bit lazy and yes it, when we're creating our work and it'd be just nice to like almost have um, photos that are completely created in camera yeah there's no post uh, involved at all there's no you can't even call it no filter because duh, there's a filter on it. So it's the, I don't know what you would call it, but in camera. Experiment or, with being a purist for a little while. It's almost purist. You don't I think to, it's a great idea. You don't have to stay being a purist, yeah. but it just, it's a good creative challenge to experiment with being a purist for a little while just to see what happens to your shots. Yeah. Yeah, all right. It makes that the Gina challenge. Though. Yeah, so what is hashtag Gina challenge this week? While you're thinking about that, Gina, I'll just let listeners know if you're new to the podcast, every week we have a hashtag Gina challenge and we go hashtag some kind of topic or theme. And um, we typically follow this challenge and post photos on social media or in the Facebook group, which you can find at So You Want To Be A Photographer podcast community. Um, and you can join the Facebook group. It, there's, it's free. Uh, and Gina has now come up with what as hashtag Gina challenge for this week? Filtered. Oh, well, that's pretty straightforward. Isn't I think it? that's a good one. I was going to do paint protection. No, that's no, no. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> we'll just have lots of photos of cars, which there's nothing wrong with that. No, but no. I love them in broom. Yes. So hashtag Gina challenge is hashtag filtered. Now you can actually interpret that however you like. You don't have to use a filter if you don't want to, or you can. So it's completely up to you. We'd love to see your shots. Now the thing is, Gina, it's coming up to that time of the night that we actually have to go yeah. back to the Logies and do the um, second half of, uh, of this gig. Yeah. So we're going to have to sign off for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Do check out Gina's newsletter, which you'll find ginamilitia.com. And um, we look forward to reporting back with a full report on what really went on behind the scenes shooting 
the Logies in the next episode. So until we chat to you again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. <laughs>